Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. For a free 30-day trial subscription, all you gotta do is go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show that we review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Robin Barr. Hello. We also have Bill Graham. Whoosh. Whoosh. And a special guest with us today to talk about the new film out in theaters now, Air. It is Zaki Hassan. Hi, how's it going? Great. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm excited. Excellent. And uh, would you like to introduce yourself to our listening audience? Tell them a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah. So I, I am a film critic and writer for the San Francisco Chronicle. I also write for IGN and The Wrap. And I am co-host of the Movie Film Podcast. Uh, that's one word, Movie Film, uh, that I um, uh, have been doing for, gosh, almost uh, 11 years now with my with my colleague Brian Hall. And uh, we drop new episodes every other week. We also do commentary tracks for movies. And we just dropped a brand new episode uh, earlier today talking about air. So oh. uh, I've, got, I've got lots to say about this movie. Friggin' Good. amazing I you... synergy. <laughs> just like repeat everything you said on that pod. <laughs> and so your podcast you know, don't has been do going that. on about as long as this podcast has been going on. So that's wonderful. Oh, there you go. Nice. Yes. All right. And uh, yeah, as I said, we're here to talk about Air. This is the newest film from director Ben Affleck. And I uh, can't wait to hear what everyone has to say about it. Um, myself not included, but we will get to that. Uh, before we do all the usual stuff up front, find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Um, you can email us podcast at filmstage.com. And obviously, you can give us a comment or reading on iTunes to let us know how we are doing. And uh, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow uh, to give us your money. For as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our Slack channel where people are always mixing it up, chatting, talking, swapping ideas and insults and various other things. Uh, Robin, you posted any food on there lately? Uh, not recently. Wow. Well, you know, I, first of all, I had my jaw surgery, so it was, it was super clock for like two months. So you should have just now, made that a whole thing. Just like today's soup. <laughs> today's soup is cream of seaweed that Nick prepared for me. No, it, I'm it was, deeply disturbed at the idea of cream of seaweed. <laughs> that actually sounds kind of good to me. You're a gross manatee. What is wrong with you? Okay, can I just say that the soups Nick made were incredible, but the problem is that when I was eating out of a syringe, I could only eat blended soups. Like a baby so, bird. I, I mean, it was bad, man. Like, so he like had it, yeah. to, you know, uh, so for example, like, I asked if he could make me like um, pork kimchi soup that typically comes with tofu. So then when he blended the tofu, it was literally just like eating shredded packing peanuts. Like it removed all of the good textural aspects of the soup and it just became some kind of mush essentially um so that was the textural issues were a struggle or he would like blend pho and that was delicious but if you looked at it you're you're just like this is baby poop soup there's 
It's mm-hmm. just good God. Greenish brown <laughs> rash. Have, have, <laughs> Robin, have you never blended anything before in your life? Like it, it sounds like a, a conundrum. <laughs> I don't wow. blend a lot. <laughs> Bill, wait, Bill, do you blend a lot? Yeah, I blend a lot of stuff. I, blue, blend? I, I blend. I make protein smoothies all the time. Okay, that I is actually had my very first smoothie. The like the second day of you know post surgery, and it was so gross that I just I refused to eat any more smoothies. So, so I I I used to go to Smoothie King a bunch because they had this thing called the light and fluffy, and it was like orange juice strawberries banana and uh, you know whatever the fuck else they put in it and it was delicious i loved it i had it all the time and then they got rid of it and then the smoothie king near me went away and now i just don't have smoothies anymore it just it, it's like a food that passed me by i'm not saying it's like bad or good or whatever you missed the it's smoothie just, craze it yeah it's like it just missed me never had so, a donut or a don't <laughs> a cupcake either you're just completely craze free over there. oh no i mean no, I'm not I'm not anti-trend. I just know what I like and you know, so I ended up eating a lot Look, of she can't food. sit down <laughs> at a five-star restaurant and get a smoothie. First like of that's all, just when not- it's Robin, it's a four-star restaurant. <laughs> okay, that's just true. Out of five, out of five. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Or out of four, out of four. Yeah, I'm yeah. not that into Michelin stuff. Like I, I realize I'm a foodie, but also I'm I'm just not like into frou-frou as much. So maybe it's that green juice thing that I'm just not. Zachy, do you own a blender? Uh, I do. I mean, I own one. <laughs> I don't that's, that's, use enough. It, that's, a, that's enough. That's that's <laughs> enough. That's enough. Yeah, but the follow-up question is: When was the last time you used it? Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I own a blender. No idea when I used it last. A friend of mine, Sindhu, if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. She gave us a blender for our wedding. We never used it. I think I ended up selling it. And then, of course, I freaking needed it like five years later. Wow. And that is what you get for being ungracious about your wedding presents. I know. I'm so sorry, Sindhu. This is is the big revelation. But (laughs) we're just now uh, we're taking (laughs) care of all family business today. Now that I bought borrowed the one from my boss. Nick loves it because he can make his like, little matcha teas and stuff. So he's like, can we just buy this from your boss? So that's like still a work in progress. Oh, my God. We've talked at the distillery about how uh, as the winter approaches, we should set up a blender so we can make like frappe drinks. Mm-hmm. Crap. Did you say crab? Frap. Oh, frap. No, whatever. That's how it's pronounced in Massachusetts. Frap. Speaking yeah, of Massachusetts, we're not worried about Massachusetts. Speaking Sorry. of Massachusetts, Robin, did you see that there's a new season of Single Drunk Female? I know it's out soon. I haven't started it yet. I watched it out? the first two episodes. I can't tell. I, like I, I've watched it, so it exists. Okay, it's out. But All right, I don't I'll, know I'll start if like this week. I don't know if it's like on Freeform. Like week to week, but they just dumped it all on Hulu because it looks yeah, like it's I think all it's there. It's about to get canceled. But. Oh, that's sad. But uh, I've been yeah. watching it and I'm I'm enjoying it. It's a good time still. Uh, oh, good. Okay, that'll be my new lunch show. Okay, great. I don't remember how we got here. I'm gonna. Just, I don't just... either. But I had a whole rant ready to go that had nothing to do with freaking soup. So I'm just gonna dive into it. So last week we talked about the Super Mario Brothers movie, which most of us were were anti, I would say. I think our guest Valerie was more into it than the rest of us, but you know, she didn't like love it. If if I could gently interject first, please could you do. say the name of the movie again? 
<laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Bill, no, could false, you say false. the name of the movie? Again? Super Mario. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Okay. Can you all eat your own dicks? Number, one. <laughs> Number two. Wait, wait, so wait, ha- wait, 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 wait. There's another person on this podcast. Zachy, could you <laughs> say the name of the animated film that's taken the nation by storm? Super Mario Brothers. Okay. Excellent. Perfect. <laughs> Okay, first of all, if we were actually in Italy, it would be the Super Mario Brothers. And that's not Mario. Mario. <laughs> and you know what? He's from Brooklyn. You would say Mario. If you are from Brooklyn, you say Mario. So this is it. This is the <laughs> actual pronunciation. I will not repeat myself on that one. Number two, my husband and I watched the Super Mario Brothers from 1993 this week. I have not seen it since 2001. <laughs> my husband hasn't seen it since he was a child. And you know what? We thought it was great. We thought it was interesting. It was zany. It had great practical effects. It it was basically they spent a lot of money re- on it. They did. I mean, it was the the people who were actually on it, like Bob Hoskins and Dana Stettis Hopper, like they thought the movie was dog shit. The experience was dog shit. But I thought it was great. It's basically Blade Runner for children in both mm-hmm. aesthetic and somewhat in terms of like the the mood to some degree it was a good time and so much better than that soulless <laughs> corporate glop that was the animated film that just came out so i am just plugging the 1993 live action film which actually had a story which actually had ramifications versus this you know animation by algorithm that just came out rant over all right, awesome. Um, I still haven't seen it. I've heard from a lot of people with children who've seen it that they enjoyed it. I don't think I'm going to take my daughter to see it. Wow. Probably. I just like you know. I don't. She's not like champing at the bit to see it. I'll probably take mm-hmm. her to go see uh, Elemental when it hits theaters. Hmm. That'll probably make some money too. Elemental. Yeah, I mean it's a Pixar. I should hope so. Yeah. It's, I'm interested yeah. to see what they do with their first like full on romance movie. So. Hmm. Yeah. Um. But anyway, uh, that's that. I guess. Uh, the only other thing to say, Zachy, have have you seen the original Super Mario Brothers movie? I did. Yeah. I I think it's uh, you know I was the conversation I was having uh, uh, earlier this weekend is that uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it's good, but it's <laughs> yes. And I think I think <laughs> yes. sometimes and and fascinating is sometimes just as good as good. So I, I agree. Uh, I agree. You know, I agree with that entire take. Yeah, I would not call that a good movie. That's 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 a stretch that is for me. Literally wrong. You are both <laughs> actually incorrect. <laughs> it's funny because I saw that as a kid whenever the hell it came out, and I still didn't like it. So it was like, what the hell is this? Like it, it misses target audience by a long shot. So. Yeah, I think I hate using the phrase ahead of its time, because I think that the things that come out that are called ahead of their time are actually moving the needle in process. But I do think that for colloquial terms, like, yeah, that movie was ahead of its time because the audience that was around for that and young enough for that to have been like in their sphere weren't primed on the irony and the the sort of postmodern sense of humor that it takes sure. to enjoy was, that kind of movie. It, it was, it was a adult movie that wasn't 
dumbed down enough to be a kids movie, but it was still a kids movie, right? Yeah. Like the target audience was just just slightly off center enough that it was like, whoops, we fucking missed. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I just like what a big swing it is. And and you know, by extension, I think that's my issue with the new one is like it feels like the the motivation behind this new one was don't do anything even remotely like that old one. Yeah. So here's your yeah. box. You're going to stay in that box. And that's what was frustrating because I don't I didn't need this one to be like that. But I wish they would have taken a, a few risks with it. My God, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I ultimately wasn't as negative as Robin, but I was just like, I'm curious. This was this was a nothing burger of a movie, what? which is which is sad. What manner of risks would we like from our Super Mario Brothers movies? Like a semblance of story, maybe rated R, full penetration. <laughs> like. <laughs> you know, you know what I what I would say is is yeah, because I I think you're right. Like, well, uh, define risk, right? But I, I would say I think in terms of uh, maybe maybe this isn't an exact corollary, but like you know, uh, Puss in Boots, the the new one that just came out yes. a couple months ago. Like, I found that compelling and rich and everything else even though it is wrapped up in this big ip kind of thing and i, I again i didn't even need mario brothers to be that but i'm just like it 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 was so it was like vapor right i watched it totally and i <laughs> forgot about it the next morning and i'm like and they knew like they were gonna make their money no matter what right so i'm like why not like Take it so, like is i don't little, i don't know if mario is like knockout ip like we've seen things mm. fail I, like i didn't people are like oh they knew they were gonna make their money like i don't know if that's true like video game movies still like did angry birds make a fuck ton of money like and angry birds was yeah, but made angry for, birds for really have one? enough of like oh, God, a... they? <laughs> well I mean, let's the well, angry birds for... never had the longevity it, it, everything that illumination basically touches turns to gold at this point. So I, I like it, it was it was pretty much a known commodity that this movie was going to make a, a decent amount of money enough to to sustain potential. I mean, right when they started production on this thing, they were talking about maybe making, you know, the Mario cinematic universe. Basically, they were like, oh, yeah, we have we have ideas for like two and three and, you know, all sorts of spinoffs and shit like that. So, I, I mean, yes, as much as movies just in general are always a gamble i think this one was a, a pretty surefire like you know going to be good enough to be a hit and that's the unfortunate thing is that it's not very good and it's still a hit so why didn't they just try and make it good you know so know, maybe they'll try it, to make the tough. next one good like well and, and and that was my point during the podcast was basically like if you take puss in boots and you take some of these other ones that are like interesting and weird and wow that's well guess what guys we had a lot of shrek movies to get to that puss in boots so right. like, know, kept, it's like true. i've i've never seen i'm sorry go ahead Zucky. no that's i i mean that's a good point i mean it, it i i think that there's uh, what what you're saying about about uh, there wasn't necessarily a guarantee that th this thing would be a hit. I think that's valid. I also think certainly the fact that I mean audiences turned out in droves despite a very mixed critical reception says there there was there was like a baked in family audience for this um, that was going to turn out no matter what. And so I mean, and maybe that is just a hindsight thing. I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I mean, a, a lot of people have talked about how there hasn't been like a children's movie in theaters for quite a while for the last couple of months. Um, and so that there was just like a raid on like kids. Let's go to the movies like I can finally <laughs> take take kids to the movies, you know. So yeah, what was uh, the last big kids film in theaters? Was it that fuck off terrible looking Disney one? what strange world <laughs> strange world i was kept wanting oh, to say yeah. strange things and i'm like that's incorrect don't say it. yeah strange world well i mean puss in boots was after that was that in theaters yeah. though i thought that was like direct yeah. to yeah. peacock or something oh okay no it was in theaters yeah i mean for for a while there it was it was doing well in theaters and on peacock but it was in theaters first yeah. oh crazy yeah but yeah i mean it's been i mean puss in boots came out late uh 2022 so i mm -hmm. think uh you know it's been a little while yeah it's been yeah. close close at least two months since you know there's been a children's wide release that of of any kind of sort of buzz so all yeah. i know is that i went to uh get my hair cut on monday at uh 4 p.m which is apparently dad's take your kid to get a haircut time at this barber shop i go to <laughs> and um this is like your classic neighborhood barbershop, right? So, like, there's a lot of talking, like, everyone's riffing with one another. Usually that's about, like, sports or cars or, I don't know, like, you know, music. And this time, because it was mostly children around me, it was legitimately me and every other person getting their hair cut was a child. Um, the talk started off. Uh, about the Mario movie and um, these kids friggin loved it and their mm -hmm. fathers loved it. They were like talking about how great it was. And then we all talked about um, our favorite fast food French fries. It was actually one of the best barbershop experiences I've ever had. <laughs> wow. I was like low, low, low bar to clear, I guess, but okay. Usually, because usually I'm like, yeah, like I like football, but then they start talking about like people and teams and records, and I'm like, all right, <laughs> we've lost me already. Like, if you want to talk about what you should the do, the idea of football, right? The concept <laughs> of football, I'm into it, but like, you know, I just can't, I don't know anything about the specifics. You know, it's like, oh, yes, I love books. Have I read this specific book and know all the characters? No, I don't. But yeah, um, yeah, so this yeah. time I was like, good, I have opinions on video games and movies, and I'm annoyed that apparently Yoshi wasn't in it. Um, yeah. And, and then I got yeah. save him for the sequel. I know. And that's that's what everyone keeps saying. I'm like, I don't know, man. It just feels like you pulled Yoshi right out the gate. Like, anyway, uh, maybe you know I'll watch the second one because it's straight Yoshi, up so. in the original movie. Yoshi is in Super Mario Brothers. But isn't he he's like a, a velociraptor? <laughs> He's a fucked up version. Yeah, he's a fucked up version of that. And he's introduced pretty late, too. So does yeah. he still he's shoot his tongue out and stick things and eat them? He killed Fiona Shaw or almost killed her. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> oh, I forgot she's in this. Yeah. Dursley. Miss Dursley. <laughs> I mean, That's incredible. Yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Dursley. I she always fucked that Richard up. Richard the Third. Just putting it out there. Who well, we should Potter? start talking about air, though. <laughs> we should let me get to yes. the movie plug, because we still have okay. to do that. <laughs> All right. Um, Good job, Robin. <laughs> Robin just totally right. sidetracked us. <laughs> I asked if she'd posted any food photos, and suddenly we ended up talking about the Super Mario <laughs> Brothers movie. 
Zachy, uh, I, I just have to let you know, usually we're a little unhinged to start, but this is this is next level. So this is this is a little <laughs> bit above and beyond. At least it's a I, movie. I, I love it. You know, like I love it. <laughs> at least we got sidetracked for 20 minutes talking about a movie because sometimes it's well, just been like most of that was about smoothies. <laughs> sometimes we get sidetracked by like the concept of mangoes and buying pre-cut <laughs> vegetables. Um but speaking of things that start with the letter M, uh, let's talk about Mubi. <laughs> Mubi is helping to bring this episode to you. And this is a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected, so you can explore the best of cinema streaming anytime, anywhere. Um, last time I was on here, I don't know if you guys did this again when I wasn't here. Since you were all cool and recorded without me. Um, I talked about Mubi's Notebook magazine. Notebook is a print-only magazine that is devoted to the art of the culture of cinema. Created, prepared, and published by Mubi. So people who know about movies making a whole magazine about movies. How could you ever go wrong? Notebook is published biannually. It is a yearly subscription that includes two beautiful issues. Each issue comes with an exclusive gift, a surprise, just for Notebook subscribers. And shipping is free wherever you are. I have to ask you guys, if I if I were to say to you, bi-weekly, right? That means twice a week, right? Uh, yes. No, it could also mean once every two weeks. No, see, Robin, I thought that's correct. bi-monthly. That's, that's semi-weekly. Hmm. This is, this is, okay, <laughs> as a person who went to journalism school and who presently does editing for the federal government, this is the thing that always drives me nuts because people use bi and semi completely interchangeably, which it's not. Hmm. It's just, Okay, daddy, explain. Semi <laughs> is, it is almost that thing. So it's, it's weird to say, but semi-weekly means not quite weekly. It happens every other week. Bi-weekly gotcha. means twice weekly. Bi to weekly. Mm -hmm. That <laughs> so makes sense. This yep, is just yep. me jumping around saying that kudos to Mubi for realizing that biannual means they owe people two magazines a year. They did it. They did it right. Um, I should say now subscriptions are now open for issues three and four. If you uh, subscribe right now, you can get it for just $40 a year. You can find out more by going to Mubi.com slash magazine. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash M-A-G-A-Z-I-N-E. If they really wanted to be cool, it would have just been zine. But I guess <laughs> a really premium magazine should not be called a zine since I'm being hyper pedantic. Anyway, you can try Mubi the service free for just 30 days at Mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that's M-U-B-I.com slash filmstage for a whole month of great cinema for free, which you can watch in between issues of Notebook. So go to Mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial or Mubi.com slash magazine for more information about Notebook. So that's that. Um, now, unless Robin has any other tangents to take us down, we can oh, talk about Oh, I always have air. a tangent in the queue. Well, what's I'll... okay? So, what's in the queue? What's the next thing you got? What no, don't do that. Don't do... Okay, <laughs> Chaos Agent Brian point, over here. At some other point in the future, I will go on my rant about lobster rolls. 
I will go on my rant about waterfalls. I these are is is your rant about lobster rolls how they're like not really technically a roll like they haven't been rolled but they are no, sort it's of just in they're a not roll. that great they're totally overrated but I'm not I'm not getting tricked by you Satan so let's okay. move on well I should just say that the reason I might not does care have a snake where <laughs> I do I do have a snake um and I have a dog that I constantly call a demon um one of the reasons a that hellhound. I, no, just a demon. Um, she's not. She's not cool enough to be called a hellhound. Um, one of the reasons I'm. I'm not like. Oh, we should talk about this movie because I didn't get a chance to see it. Um, so <laughs> it sucks for me. I really wanted to see this. I am a fan of Ben Affleck, director and actor, honestly. Um, and I like. A, what about I like person? A, uh, seems fine. I've heard good things <laughs> about him on a human level. I feel like he struggles and lets us in the public see his struggles, which is nice. And I'm always rooting <laughs> for him. Um, I, I've watched The Way Back a bunch, and he's incredible mm. in it. Um, I also like a movie where Matt Damon plays a person who is heavily involved with trying to bring an American brand glory through sport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is this along with Ford v Ferrari. Um, uh, sure, yes, yes. Sorry, I wasn't Didn't sure. Really I was wondering. Like I was wondering African where you were going for that. Soccer movie. That's first of all. That's not an American brand. That's Invictus. That's I yes, mean, and it's not soccer. You mean an airplane it's, movie? It's fully rugby. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but yeah, I I really wanted to see this. I didn't have a chance to, um, which is very very sad for me. Um, but I'm looking forward to hearing what all of you fine people have to say about this. And it's funny because, uh, like, peop- there's been a lot of Twitter dialogue recently. I'm sure we've all seen it about like why are they releasing these movies that are about bringing a product to market? Um, this and Tetris being the things people seem to be the most annoyed about. And I Black was like, Barry. That's yeah. Oh one. yeah, that's another one. But, um, well, and even Super Mario, yeah. But that's not bringing a product to market, unless sure, that's sure, like sure. the twist of the movie is that they're trying to no, deliver no. the first. No, no Super spoilers Mario for, game. <laughs> for Super Mario. <laughs> no. Um. So what I was, yeah, but so I, what I was, what I said to someone on on Twitter, I believe uh, Andrew Crump. Uh, everyone should look him up. Great writer. Um. Mm-hmm. I I said to him, I was like, it's interesting because I am a human being who has brought a product to market. I, I own a a manufacturing facility that creates a thing and I have been responsible for every aspect of its branding. You'd think I'd be super psyched about seeing these movies to see my own experience reflected and I am kind of fully ambivalent about them because of that, but I am still interested because of the talent involved. And so um I look forward to seeing these one day because I think I'll have a unique perspective that I unfortunately will not be able to leverage on this episode to its fullest. But anyway, well, you can be the audience proxy. I know, so I'm going to like jump in and be like, "So this Michael Jordan guy is he real? Is that like a real guy? <laughs> <laughs> what happens at the end of the movie? Did this did this sneaker ever come out?" Um. Anyway, this movie, uh, as I said, is directed by Ben Affleck. And is the story about the creation of uh, Nike's Air Jordan line. Um, And here is the trailer. 1984 has been a tough year. Our sales are down. Our growth is down. Sonny, I brought you in here to grow the basketball business. People don't know what the hell a Nike is. What's a Converse? NBA all-star shoe. There's nothing cool about Nike. You would have to have a pretty compelling pitch. I can tell them the one thing the other companies can't compete with. 
Our basketball division is terrible. I do not love it. All right. I just got to say, like, no one can deliver a line in the same way that Jason Bateman can. He, yeah, he's so good. There are other he's people so are good, good, and he's not. Oh, oh, oh whoa. whoa. I am already fucking psyched for this podcast now. I am all about this. What a bullshit take. The energy here, <laughs> the, the energy here is off the goddamn charts. But now that Bill and Robin have started us off in uh, the most adversarial of ways, I'd like to throw it to our guest. Zachy, what did you think in a roundabout, all over, uh, high level way about the movie Air? Oh, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I've, I've seen it twice now, so I watched it once uh, for for you as well. I think um, I I liked it so much. I I, I went to uh, early screening, and then I I went with my boys, uh, my two older boys, earlier this week because uh, you know I grew up in Chicago in the '90s, and so oh wow, I always I always tell them about Michael Jordan and just that that whole the Bulls dynasty, you know, and so. Um, the opportunity to to share this story, which looks at from more of a high level uh, his his cultural impact, I I found it you know a great opportunity to share with them. But just for me, you know, I I think the the way in which the film sort of answers the uh, the critique of like oh this is just about how a corporation ended up making a lot of money, but it finds a way in by by giving. Uh, the the main character sort of uh, there's a human element to what's going on. You know, there's a great scene where uh, Jason Bateman is talking about his his reason for not wanting to lose his job. You know, and I I think that there's moments like that throughout that really add um, vitality to the story. You know, and then I think above and beyond that, I I just think Matt Damon is one of these actors who you know for thirty years he's been turning in great work without necessarily ne- needing to lean into a sort of superstar persona. You know, he sort of, he's able to find new layers of humanity in every character that he plays. You know, Sonny Vaccaro is not um, the, the uh, forgive me, I forget his name, but the character he played in Ford vs. Ferrari. And yet, you know, they're, they're in similar lanes, but they're different. He's doing different things. And I think uh, that that's something that I really I, I had it was sort of like just this watching this I'm like God you know Matt Damon is just good like we we don't acknowledge that enough he's just a, a you put him in a movie you know you're going to get a certain level of performance from him uh, Ben Affleck is probably one of my favorite directors working today I think other than Live by Night which I wasn't crazy about but I've just I've 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 either loved or liked every single movie he's done and this is I mean he, this is his sweet spot you know he he in terms of production design he's able to transport us back to this era i mean i just felt like i was in a 1980s office you know the 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 color of the shag carpet took me back to my childhood you know uh and so to to sort of have this era which doesn't feel like that long ago but then you're like no it's 39 years ago to have it uh given Mm -hmm. this historical treatment uh really i just it it just scratched uh every itch for me i just i absolutely loved it yeah, I got to say, I have, I actually, as I said, I, I really like Ben Affleck as a director. I haven't seen Live by Night, which is crazy because that trailer, the, the first one, I think that had the, um, I think it was a song by, if it wasn't Hosier, it sounded like him, um, was awesome. Like I was addicted to it. <laughs> it was, it was such a, the, like the gunshots with the, the, the pulsing beat of the drums or whatever. There's also a point 
where a very grizzled looking, uh, I assume Irish assassin <laughs> says something along the lines of, you spend your whole life praying someone will punish you for your sins. And then he says, well, here I am. And I was just like, oh, sweet. This is everything <laughs> I need in a movie. This is incredible. And then I just never saw it. And then the rece- reception to it was so like lukewarm that I was like, I guess I'll catch that at some point. And then I just never caught it. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. I got to check that at some point because I love all of the people who are in it. I can't imagine it's so bad. But anyway, that's uh, my vague sideways input um glad to hear that you liked it let's see what robin barr thinks all right um yeah i enjoyed this movie um definitely whatever i feel about jason bateman aside (laughs) it's an enjoyable fun you know sentimental movie um yeah it was a good time at the theater i would call it a crowd pleaser you know it's not like the most intellectual movie I've ever seen. It does. It goes to tug at your heartstrings pretty, pretty openly, which I'm okay with. Um, It's amusing, you know, some decent needle drops, although probably too many needle drops uh, overall, but yeah, like a, a, a good time was had. And I was very into the, supporting performance by viola davis sometimes i'm a bit mixed on her because she she sometimes overdoes it and i thought she was so um what's the word like un, not underdone understated actually. thank you <laughs> she's like a piece of meat undercooked um, yeah. underwhelming no what's understated. the positive one <laughs> right <laughs> and, and i and i liked that and it wasn't wasn't too shakespearean which is sometimes what i get from her um you know what can I say? I like business stories. You know, uh, call me mm. a capitalist pig. I I like understanding how you know certain ideas were formed, or you know the the backstories on things. Like I watch a bunch of those, you know, Steve Jobs biopics. I'm just curious about how these things come together. Um, so yeah, no, it was it was fun, and I had one other thought about the movie, which is. I do think that Ben Affleck is a very competent director. I haven't seen too many movies that I didn't like, although I wasn't a huge fan of Argo, but you know, overall he knows what he's doing, but I thought he was the weakest link in this movie as a um, director or actor? as a performer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like <laughs> he really kept pulling me out of the movie. Um, I don't know if it's cause maybe I just don't care for the, Maybe I just don't like the character he was playing. I, I really don't think so. Like every time I kept thinking like you're Ben Affleck, he just never seemed to <laughs> take on. It, it wasn't really transformative for whatever reason, but yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed it. All right. Bill Graham. So I think you can approach this movie in a couple of different ways. And it seems like a lot of people are approaching it from the cynical side of this is capitalism, the movie, and, you know, very anti anti this movie, just the whole idea of it. Um, I remember when the trailer was first released, uh, a lot of people were like, where the fuck is Michael Jordan? Like, what, what, what are we doing here? And it's funny because you know, there's a very easy explanation about why Michael Jordan may not be inside this film or may not be, you know, a main character or things like that. Um, spoiler, I, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it that way, you know, you don't have to Google this, but he basically has maybe three lines of dialogue and is 
mm. basically only shown from behind. Um, there's an actor playing him. Uh, otherwise, it is clips of him from his college days at North Carolina. And that's it. That's that's the entire you know, revolving door of Michael Jordan in this film. Uh, Viola Davis plays his mother. And that was actually one of, uh, from everything that I'm hearing, that was one of Michael Jordan's key inputs was, A, you should really focus on Viola and also, or uh, on my mother. And also I would like Viola Davis to play her. So uh, check and check. Good stuff there. I just would. Uh, I would love to have the opportunity to be like, um, focus this movie on my mom. Also, get one of the best living actresses to play my mother. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Key key stuff there. Um, So you know, I think it's easy to approach it from a very cynical side and and just say, wow, like we're making a a underdog story about Nike, one of the biggest shoe manufacturers in the world, and it's like, yeah, but we're making it about the fucking basketball wing in 1984. We're not making it about the company overall. The company was very healthy. The basketball wing was not. And that's the whole point of this movie is that they kind of risked it all for uh, this one, one person. Um, And so I think, I think there's a very easy and cynical way to approach this movie. And there's also the movie itself. And I think the movie itself is, is just, a flat out, you know, success. Um, I think that it is very well shot. Um, I love the cinematography in this, and that's really weird to talk about a movie that's mainly in like bars and boardrooms and things like that. Like this is not, this shouldn't be a pretty movie. And I heard someone the other day say that you don't have to go see this in a theater. And I actually disagree. I think, I think, this movie actually looks really good up on the screen. And I think there is something to that kind of cinematic experience of watching this with a group of people, whether they have Jordans on or not, you know, it it, it shouldn't really matter. Um, I think there is, it's light, it's lean, it's entertaining. It's got everything that you kind of want out of these kind of biopics. Uh, Someone, someone on uh, the, the um let me look this up real quick uh on the pop culture happy hour said is this a podoptic so basically you know a podiatrist you know a shoe uh biography and i thought that was pretty funny but um yeah i think i think this treads water here and there but for the most part is very lean it 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 is a very easy to be cynical about this movie, but I still think it's it's flat out a success, and that's largely due to the performances uh, and uh, the way it's shot and things like that. So, so I'm curious. Aside from Jason Bateman, who we all agree is probably the strongest performance in this movie, uh, who do we all think is <laughs> the best performance? So, <laughs> Zachy, let's start with you. On the subject of performances, who do you think brings it the best? Um, well, I, I already mentioned Damon, and um, another another uh, cast member I thought was terrific is Chris Tucker. Who, oh, yeah, uh, I watched this. I'm like, I'm like, where's he been? You know, it's nice to just see Chris Tucker again, and he was having fun. Clearly, I, apparently, he wrote most of his dialogue, or he sort of, um, you know, created uh, 
that that uh, characterization from a whole cloth because he wasn't Howard uh, White was not part of the original script. Uh, but I think he's so integral. I mean, I it's really I mean it's it's uh, each of the 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 sort of the people on the in the the, the trying to make the the deal. I think they all do a, a, a great job. I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Robin? and and um, I can't, I honestly can't remember which Marlon Wayans was in this film, but I really liked that cameo. Which Marlon um, Wayans? Which Wayans? <laughs> no, but isn't he? Has, does he have a son with the same name? No, you're thinking of Damon. Wait, so which one was there? This was Marlon Wayans, but Damon. Oh, Wayans so is, it was is, neither the neither person I thought it was. sorry it's like the culkin brothers like you really can't tell the difference between them Um, what it's there's the one that's not really around anymore and he sings about pizza Pizza. (laughs) there's the one in succession yeah isn't that it are there there another culkin yeah there's uh there's rory there's not a rory culkin you're making this up Oh my god, yeah. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. The kid from Signs is not the person in succession. (laughs) Okay. Brothers and fathers. I'm losing my fucking shit right now. (laughs) No fucking way. No, I I can't get over this now. (laughs) The guy from Signs and Mean Creek is not the guy in succession. Does that wait? No. But the guy in Succession is the guy from Scott Pilgrim, right? Yes, that's him. Okay, I just have to untangle the Culkins in my but head, but not now. the ca- the guy from Richie Rich, right? Or Igby goes down, right? No, it is Igby. Kieran wait, I, is Igby. I, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm losing my mind. <laughs> I so that was Culkins Marlon Wayans, not either Damon Wayans. Correct. Okay. There, well, he was good. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. It was a very brief role. Oh, you know who I love? Christmas Cena. He was really fun in this. <laughs> I like Christmas Cena in just about everything I see Christmas he Cena. He plays like a somewhat vulnerable, sleazy agent. Like an agent that you sort of like, even though he's a shithead. I mean, that's like the, that's the classic agents. Christmasina. I was gonna say that's a that's sort of his wheelhouse. When you order yeah. Christmasina, that's literally what you get. <laughs> you get a charming fuckhead, and yeah, yeah it works on here. on white bread. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I really like about Christmasina, and he was also really good in Birds of Prey. Like loved him in that, but he's such a like cute short king. I just think he's adorable. Love him. Did you know that the director of Igby Goes Down is also the director of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? No, and that information doesn't do much for me. (laughs) Another hollow movie. Well, what about you, Bill? What was your... What what do you consider your top performance? I mean, I, I like I like Chris Tucker a lot in this, um, and I like I like Wayne's as well. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think everybody is just doing really really good work here, um, and that's that's kind of the you know there is no weak link 
um, to me, to my eyes. Um, I think, I think the issue is that some of the speeches that these people give are, they are saturated with this soothsayer kind of like mode where it's like, okay, oh, okay. Like, Come on. Like, what are we talking about? We're talking about a a rookie, an NBA potential rookie. And, you know, these these rookies, especially, you know, the ones in in this draft class in particular, um, some of them uh, did not uh, stay in the NBA for very long. You know, I mean, that's that is kind of the issue with drafting these NBA rookies. And that's why nowadays, uh, you know, the NBA got kind of fed up with it. Um, and they basically regulated that people like Michael Jordan, uh, you know, players that most likely would have been, you know, first round draft picks right out of high school. Uh, can no longer do that. And they now have to spend a year in college or a year overseas playing professionally. Um, so they have to, I think they their age requirement requires them to be a certain age before they can enter the NBA draft. So that's how bad it got with drafting NBA rookies um, for a while there. Um, you know, but famously, a lot of the biggest names in... <laughs> in basketball uh didn't play college uh anybody heard of lebron anybody heard of kobe anybody heard of kevin garnett like all of these guys went straight to the nba so so to be fair i did not hear of kevin garnett until after uncut gems came out (laughs) okay i mean that's fair that's fine i that's a so it's it's almost hack to say like there's never going to be another jordan but like is is it just that he was so undeniable, or do we think that there's like the culture has siloed itself off so much that there can never be another like breakthrough like that? Um, it, well, I mean, Zaki has probably the most experience with kind of the the Jordan mystique. Um, but from my perspective, I think there's two things happening. I think the level of sportsmanship is always going up and up and up. Nowadays, these are truly freak athletes. Um, Jordan was not necessarily a freak athlete. Uh, If you look at the size and build of a LeBron James, the way that he moves, it's freakish. It's, it's unnatural. Um, Granted, you know, being six, five, six, six and moving as well as Jordan does. That's, that's also, you know, bravo, but uh, there's a lot of those kind of players out there. Um, I think the issue is all of these things kind of were at a head. Um, The NBA was getting older at the time. The NBA was not necessarily, you know, uh, uh, doing super great in terms of uh, the, uh, TV ratings and, you know, in, in, uh, person sales and stuff like that. And this guy just took over the world. Um, it it reminds me a lot of Tiger Woods. It reminds me a lot of, let's say Mike Tyson, let's say, uh, Ali, let's say, you know, I mean, Serena and Venus, um, all of these people will just flat out bring people to your sport. Um, we just recently have had this happen with, uh, college, uh, 
women's college basketball uh, with uh, Caitlin. I can't remember her her last name or if that's her first name, but um, she she was a player for Iowa and she was just dropping 40, 40 bombs every game um, during their run in the tournament. And so it's just it's everything all at the same time. It's perfect storm. Um, But in terms of what Jordan did, I don't think anyone will ever come close to that level of, of just flat out supremacy when he was on, when he was playing in the NBA during his prime, there was nothing better on the court. So. Well said. I was about to say, Zachy, anything to add to that? Well, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, I'm, I'm not in a position to talk about uh, the current NBA. Cause I just, I honestly, I haven't followed it since I, since I left Chicago, you know, but, but like my kids are into, you know, Steph Curry, cause he plays, he plays for the Warriors here. And, and, and obviously there is LeBron James, but I mean, I think, I think that Jordan had this cultural dominance that, there's there's nothing like it in my lifetime and and yeah if, if you're comparing him you're comparing him with people who outside of his sport so like muhammad ali who you know i i think i was saying this uh, uh, earlier uh, to my friend that like w- we lived through jordan but i think now people look at jordan the way i look at muhammad ali who was like just before me and it's like oh no he was mm-hmm. great but i don't have that firsthand experience but you know th- there's a moment in the film where and this isn't a spoiler but uh, it, it's essentially sort of uh, uh, the the pitch uh, to Jordan is about uh, how 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 much he will inspire people and to just want to sort of hold on to his coattails. And I was thinking about that with like when I tell my kids like, oh, you know, I I remember when Jordan played, whatever. It, that's me trying to do that too. You know, like I was around. In the, you know, I'm I'm a microscopic part of the whole Jordan story because I happen to exist at the time when he was, uh, uh, you know, making all those baskets, you know, and, and that's, that was the effect he had. I mean, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know, um, if there's going to be an, you know, maybe LeBron James is as close as we'll get to that now, but I mean, you know, he, he definitely was one of a kind in my experience. Is there the same kind of fervor for James, um, or sorry, LeBron as there was in the nineties for Michael Jordan, because I feel like he, there's something about the just utter ubiquity of Michael Jordan at that time that I don't really know if, if he had the same kind of branding. Um, I mean, I mean, to some extent, like I know he is popular, et cetera, and he's moved into other aspects of popular culture as a producer, but it it was like Michael Jordan was God when we Mm. were children. Um, and maybe I'm speaking with, you know, my nostalgia glasses or whatever, but I just kind of wonder if there's some kind of, maybe it has something to do with the fracturing of the culture now. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a big part of it. And yeah. that's what yeah, I was saying. It was like, such there's... a monoculture. I mean, and yeah. you watch a bunch of movies from the nineties and you're like, oh, it's all about basketball. Even the movies that are not interested in, like not about basketball, they feature some kind of kid who's obsessed with basketball or there, you know, it's like some kind of everyone's playing through line. Yeah, <laughs> it was just a very, very. It was. I used to think that like, oh yeah, basketball. It's a popular sport. I didn't realize until maybe the last couple of years that basketball was a phenomenon in the nineties. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it, it went next level for sure. And I think I think Jordan and and some others are kind of key to, you know, bringing that that kind of thing to to the spotlight. Um again, the NBA just it wasn't the juggernaut it is today. N- not to say that it was unpopular, but it it was trailing behind MLB or uh baseball. It was trailing behind a lot of other sports. It just wasn't as culturally dominant as it is now. Um and Jordan just flat out every game he went to was pretty much a, a sellout. And my dad has always said that the Chicago Bulls should have never had to pay Michael Jordan. It should have been the NBA because it was basically just, <laughs> you know, a parade yeah. everywhere he went. So, you know, at a certain point, it's like, oh, you're selling out games for the Charlotte Hornets. Like, guess what? Uh, we should pay you to come to us. You well, know, my recollection like, was like all the kids in my school who love basketball, they had their their team jersey, right? You know, for whatever <laughs> whatever uh, team their their father liked or they liked or whatever. But then they had a Jordan jersey and they had a <laughs> hat with the Chicago Bull on it. Like there was just it was understood as part of the vernacular, the cultural input of basketball. If you love this game, you too must also love, regardless of affiliation, Michael Jordan. Yeah, I, th- I think there was there was a grudging respect that pretty much everybody had to have for him. Um, because again, w- when you know, and I mean, we had what what was it, an eight part documentary on him? Um, and you know, granted, it wasn't just on him; it was the whole Chicago Bulls franchise and everything around it, and you know, all all those players. But I mean, quite frankly, it was it was focused on him, and you know, rightfully so. But you know, that's that's always been his kind of mystique is it doesn't matter if if you don't like him, you're still like a fan of him in a weird way. Because it's just so too powerful to ignore. Yeah. And he also did everything that and and th- that's where this film kind of like. You know, we can jump into, I guess, spoilers for for what this film kind of revolves around. But that's what one of the the things that this film kind of, you know, prophesies is at one point Viola Davis mentions, you know, my son will not only be a defensive rookie of the year, but also or not rookie of the year, but, you know, offensive player of the year and defense. And, you know, Matt Damon's character is like what like that that doesn't happen you either play defense or you play offense like this is silly and sure enough that's what jordan is he is also known as a ball hawk he's known as being great on the defensive side you would put him oftentimes on the other team's best player which is just a good way to basically wear out your star player (laughs) um and you know he would do that and then just be like cool and I would still score 40 points a game. He would shoot the three. He would have, you know, inside dribbles. He could drive the lane. He could dunk, obviously, right? Um, that's the famous logo. That's, you know, part of his mystique as well. He could dunk from basically the free throw line. Um, so, like, he is all of the things about basketball kind of 
rolled into one package. Um, he was kind of the perfect machine for that, um, which is funny why LeBron is kind of like two inches taller and about, you know, maybe a hundred pounds heavier. And it's like, oh, well, he's just the bigger, better version of Jordan in a lot of ways. Um, so it is it is interesting that he's kind of that character now. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of similarities in the, in their game and things like that. But no, he's he was kind of the perfect package. So if you were like a fan of basketball, then you in some way, oh, I'm, I'm a fan of defense or I'm a fan of off. Well, guess what? Jordan's going to top those lists in various categories pretty much, you know, all throughout. So um, that's why he was just kind of that that kind of character was, oh, shit. He's he does it all. So you, you're you kind of saying, I don't know if you were like dragging the movie a little bit, but you're saying that it almost speaks with too much foresight about yeah. the phenomenon that it would become. And and I agree with you. You know, there is that element of that. I think actually, uh, if I can move into a spoiler for a second, or I think we're at there that point yeah. anyway. Uh, there's a point in the film where. Um, oh, my God. Matt Damon, Viola? Um, no, yeah, Matt, Matt Damon, Damon is. is monologuing about how amazing Jordan is going to do. He's really trying to do like the big sell to him while they're at that corporate board meeting. And, mm-hmm. and you see um, archival footage of like the real Michael Jordan's life. And I thought that worked so well and it worked very well in conjunction with them not showing Michael as a character at all, which is very, it, it's almost, it almost becomes comical throughout the film, but it, but then when that archival footage lands, you, you understand why they needed to do that. They needed that to be the punch. Um, and you see this image of Michael dealing with the, with his father's murder, which I wasn't even that familiar with. I, I didn't know that had happened. And that just like totally broke me. Um, Cause I, because I'm a sucker, number one, but I think it needed to speak with that foresight. It, and, and let's be honest too. The whole movie is about how big a risk this was. It, this is a true story. Like, so maybe, yes, it does speak with almost too much of that hindsight knowledge, but clearly something worked in, <clears throat> in this real situation that, you know, they, they were able to pull Michael and do it in this way that, um, that was just a huge liability for the company. Like, so I get what you're saying, but I think it, it does tap into the fact that this was like a kind of a, a, a strange event that worked out very well. Zaki, do you have any input here? No, I, I agree with that. I, I think that particular sequence uh, was incredibly effective, you know, and, and the way in which it plays out, I mean, it's almost like the climax of a sports movie where, mm-hmm. you know, Damon is looking around, you know, and then he's just like, give me the ball. You know, I mean, it's, you can, you can sort of, the, the rhythm there was very much that, you know, and then him making his pitch to Jordan, that's that, you know, he's at the three point line and the score is tied up. It's that type of scenario. And I, and I just echoing what I said earlier, I mean, Damon sells the hell out of it. I think, I think he's yeah. uh, terrific in that sequence. So this yeah. is an interesting thing. Cause I didn't realize back, you know, I don't know. I mean, as a child, all of this happened before I was ever born, but like, even as I grew and I was like, right, there's Michael Jordan and there's the Air Jordan thing. I assumed it was like, hey, this guy's really good. 
he's a famous national basketball player. Mm-hmm. We should mm-hmm. like do this for him. So it it is nuts to me to learn that like it really was like I don't know like this this rookie. I, I think one of my favorite parts of the show is like a rookie who's never like you know played professional ball. It's like literally that's what a rookie means. <laughs> but like mm-hmm. that is like an insane thing to do. Like that's. Yeah, that's really like you know to to mix our sports metaphors. That's Babe Ruth calling his fucking shot. Like that's yep. insane. Like that, and I it sounds to me like the movie does a good job of pointing that out. And well, they they, they they go through there. There is a long speech that Matt Damon gives because Matt Damon's known in this in this film as kind of being the the boots on the ground in a lot of ways he is the talent scout and he's a talent scout almost in the way that like an nba front office needs a talent scout right and he's just he's just crunching tape he's looking at all the rookies he's he's running uh high school uh basketball tournaments so that he you know meets the family meets the faces you know shakes the hands does everything like that um and, you know, tries to sell them on the Nike brand and everything like that. But, you know, it, it's interesting because he breaks down the footage and the game tape of Jordan hitting this, you know, game winning shot uh, for the the uh, North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, and he talks about how there was this player that was like also a highly touted recruit and that that guy, I think either transferred away or just basically didn't play as much. I think he actually transferred away. Um, And basically the idea was he saw the writing on the wall. Like this other player was like, Oh fuck, I got to get away from this guy. Like I can't, I can't play on it on the same team as him. This is going to be ridiculous. Like I'm, I'm just going to get outshone in every aspect. And I think that does a long way to kind of build this mythology around Jordan. Right. Because I mean, granted you're right. They are trying to sell and, and Phil Knight in this, in this film played by, uh, Ben Affleck, he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? We're not going to spend our entire budget on one guy. We're going to we're going to get a couple of athletes like what, what are you doing? And, you know, Damon's character is basically like, no, this is going to be a generational player. We have to get him. And yeah, it's it's a it's an all or nothing kind of pitch. Um, and I think I think that's where the saying kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I totally understand that it's got to sell this and it's also got to sell this as like future looking because not everybody's going to go look up what Jordan actually did. Right. So it's important for them to say what his actual accomplishments were at, you know, throughout his career and everything like that. But I think what's interesting is it, it just comes across as more of they knew that he was going to be great. And if you interview any one of these people's parents or the scouts that are recruiting, they all say the same thing, right? I mean, maybe not to the degree that they say it about Jordan in this film, but they're all going to be like, oh yeah, he's going to be great. He's going to be amazing. He's going to do crazy good things. Nobody fucking knows, right? And that's so, why yeah, not to not to push us into like a whole other movie, but that movie Moneyball is basically about that. Mm-hmm. If we all saw Moneyball, um, the like a big part of Brad Pitt's character 
is that he was like enticed into, you know, professional play by scouts being like, you know, you're like a, well, I can't even remember what they call him. A five tool player. Yeah. I that was like a four called. course player. No, that's not, him, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, that's a real five. Like, you know, and, and then they were wrong and he didn't do well. <laughs> and yeah, you, you, you get. It ruined him. Yeah. yeah. You get seduced in this way and then it turns out it's not right. And then they're not going to like stand by you. Like, that's. Yeah. so it is interesting in that way. So yeah. I, oh, sorry. I just, I want to pivot a second because we, we sort of brought up that the speech there's a lot of speechifying in this film and i enjoyed the the sell to jordan speech but i think what really becomes the climax is the sell to his mom speech like that Mm. that is what clinches them getting the yes um i thought we could talk about that a little bit because i keep hearing this being like this is Viola Davis's Oscar moment. This is Matt Damon's Oscar moment. I'm just curious what you all think about that. You're talking about specifically the the speech towards the end when everything is kind of unraveling and Matt yes. Damon steps in and and gives that speech. And and again, to me, that is it. It's it worked in the theater. It still works for me now, reflectively. But I still think it has too much of that like sue saying in yeah. there where it's it's I just valid it's it's like holy shit dude like you're you're really selling this kid that has literally never played a, a a minute in the nba and we've seen these rookies blow out a knee and never recover we've seen these rookies do someone had i think it was sam Bowie uh had a heart attack dude like never recovered from that. I think he died or something like that. Like, I mean, there are so many tragic stories of high draft pick rookies that just are nothing just never turned out to be that. Um, And part of that may be pressure. Part of that may be the system that, you know, if you know anything about sports, especially at the professional level, (laughs) you don't necessarily want to be a top five pick. Why? Because that means that team is dog shit. That means that team is real bad. And so you're going to a real bad team and usually real bad teams are run really bad, right? They're, they're real bad for a reason. Um, The issue here is that unlike the NFL or some of these bigger team sports, there's only five people on the court for a team. So if one of them is really fucking good, well, then you can build around that. And that's basically LeBron. That's basically a lot of these other players, you know, that are like, oh, shit, I I went to a, a shitty team, but I'm really fucking good. So we're going to, you know, at least make the playoffs or whatever, you know. So what, what did you think, Zachy, about that last speech? Uh, well, I, you know, it's I I agree with what you're saying where there is an aspect of the sort of theatricality that is no doubt uh, you know a creative license by the the screenwriters however you know there's no denying that nike bet it all on jordan right that's part of the record so and it was the kind of big bet that had never been done before they they built an entire shoe line around him and that had never been done before right so they saw something, no doubt. You know, they saw something big enough to make that big of a swing. 
And given that, I, I'm I'm willing to allow what I assume is some creative license with with Damon being like, and you'll star in a movie with Bugs Bunny, and you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm I, I'm I can go along with it because because what's public record is uh, the kind of risk uh, Nike took, which no other athletic uh, shoe company had taken before on on, on a basketball player. So maybe I'm just ignorant, but. I didn't realize that Converse were like serious sneakers. It's um, always a shock when you learn that. <laughs> um, when you because if you have worn Converse, first of all, you have to be like, you have to recognize that they are like wearing tissues on your feet. They do oh, not. Yeah. I don't know how I'm alive. I wore them for like ten years between sixteen and twenty six, and mm-hmm. they're they're like nothing. They're like you just like a more. They're like a they're like a slightly stiffer sock. It's incredible. Well, they I mean, the soles, the, the soles, the soles are thick, but yeah, the, I know. Uh, not the, the Converse All Stars I wore. I mean, like the sole is like maybe you maybe you wore. Them down. I mean, that's also possible. But like you know, it's it's not it's not tennis shoe thick. You know, it's not actual athletic shoe thick. It's. I mean, I could find mine and go cut it in half and see, but it's like, you know, when I, when I put on like a pair of Reeboks or a Nikes or something, like there's some, there's some cushioning there. <laughs> I, 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 yes. Um, I think there's a, a shot in Jumanji where, uh, I think it, it's, it, his father is like coming up with like the original, like sports sneaker. And then you look at it and it's very much a converse um there are the pf flyers in the sandlot which uh you know the benny the jet puts on and you know jumps the fence and people are like holy shit he's got the pf flyers and you're like guys that is rubber and fucking like some (laughs) some material up top yeah (laughs) it's it is not a game changer but i mean it is funny because specifically because if you look at what the now prototypical nba shoe looks like and and this is something that i've had to go through uh recently because i just woo uh purchased my first pair of jordans um but if you look at there are three different kinds of jordans basically out there there are the lows so those are the low cut there are the mids and then there are the highs and if you look at the highs they go like halfway up your foot like you're just like whoa shit and that is because ankle rolls are like one of the most common injuries in the NBA because a lot of people are jumping as high as they can and not necessarily paying attention to what's underneath where they're going to land and so sometimes they land on someone else's shoe or foot Right. And it's like, well, <laughs> that's an ankle roll. Cool. You're out for six weeks. So they started making these shoes much more bulkier and thicker up top. And so, yeah, if you look at what a Converse basically is, it's it's just canvas leather on top of a rubber sole. And you're like, there's no support structure there. That's that's an ankle roll just waiting to happen. So that was another big kind of thing with the Air Jordans. Um, I was listening to the the uh, that podcast on NPR. Um, uh, they were talking about, and that was a pop culture happy hour. They were talking about how 
famously the actual the Jordan ones were uncomfortable as fuck. Um, not not fun to play in, not cushy to wear, like no, no, these are terrible shoes. Um, and in fact, you know, it comes up in that Jordan documentary. He dons the Jordan ones again for one of these games. I can't remember. I think it was like the last game that he was supposed to play before he retired and then came back. Um, but he put them on, and at halftime, his feet were bleeding. <laughs> it's it's like dude like these are they left you know, that out of the movie yeah uh definitely you know uh what what is it form over function there you know and yeah. he even has that little that little speech you know he's like well why not both and it's like well clearly you went for form <laughs> well so you know that actually brings me up to one of my biggest gripes about the movie is that i was kind of hoping there would be more emphasis on showing the engineering like i was very interested in not just the branding but the actual product like you gave me a three minute sequence on how to put together a shoe when this shoe was supposed to be like not just life changing but like zeitgeist changing show me (laughs) how this was put together one of the things i like about ford v ferrari is that they really go in depth about all the fucking work it took Mm-hmm. And the way yeah. that these artists butted heads with like the the pencil necked engineers. Um, yeah, I, I think part of that is because the way that this film kind of posits it is that this has to happen over a weekend, and unfortunately, you know, oh, uh, does it? They, yeah, they well, so basically, they have a meeting that they were never supposed to have with Jordan, and they they. Uh, Sonny Vaccaro goes out to the Jordans home in, in uh, North Carolina and actually Basically visits against with them. the agent's decree. Like everything yes. was supposed to go through the agent. So first he has to like show goodwill and good faith by, by showing up at their door to say like, hi, I'm a real person. Here's why you should consider us. Then they have to make the decision whether to even like be in the room to hear the pitch. Right. Then you hear the pitch then a decision is made and somebody has to convince somebody else to basically take the or to to get the terms that are being requested so there's again like a lot of process that you're watching through here it's not just like this one two three we want you to be our thing they have to get to the what i think is even the most interesting part of this is not just getting to the yes from Jordan's camp, but them getting, uh, I'm sorry, Nike getting the yes to meet their terms because their terms were he gets a cut of every shoe. And that was, I think, the most innovative mm-hmm. thing about what we saw. Yeah, it definitely is, you know, and and they're right. It changed the game forever from that point forth. Um, now everything is you know, branded and, you know, a lot of, if you have a good agent and you're smart, you will get a cut of whatever shoe line or whatever thing, product endorsement, all of this stuff, you know, kind of comes out of that. But yeah, they had to convince Jordan's family to even come out to hear the pitch because they were basically, you know, third is, is what they say they were. I don't even know if they were third, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I think they were struggling so much uh, 
Adidas was the number one and then Converse was number two. And then it was, you know, Nike. And so Jordan just flat out was like, no, I don't want to hear a pitch from Nike. Why would I want to do that? And so (laughs) they get that like Hail Mary pass. Uh, Vaccaro goes out, convinces the family and they're like, okay, we'll, we'll come by. And they're like, wait, what? And it's like, (laughs) it's, it's, you know, Thursday and they're like, yeah, we'll see you on Monday. And they're like, oh, fuck. Like we now actually have to put a pitch together. We now actually have to, they even fucking made a video, like those poor interns fucking just cutting, cutting tape together. Um, they had to make a video. (laughs) Yeah. And they, they had to, you know, figure out what they were going to do. And then of course they have to. You know, their big selling point is that Converse is just going to put you in Converse. Adidas is just going to put you in Adidas, but we're going to create the Jordan and sell you along with the shoe. So, you know, it was very uh, centered around him. And I did think like that was fun to see them come up with the Jordan and kind of, but yeah, Robin, you for a movie about so much about the shoe itself it does kind of like give you three minutes of the shoe instead of 10 minutes of the shoe glosses over the product and then you're like oh wait the product is michael jordan like yeah yeah that's what essentially it is i did think it was funny that uh so you sort of see the contrast between the the companies and that also interested me because converse is like the sort of you know um shiny corporate corporate speak kind of company where Jordan would have been just like another one in a long line of, you know, sponsored athletes. Adidas had, uh, which is a German company had like a lot of strife because the, they're sort of like boy genius, you know, the person who um, was like created their founder. Yeah, Yeah. he he died. And so there was like a lot of squabbles among the family. It was like, you know, Sumner Redstone. Yeah, (laughs) it was succession. And then, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, So, so I think what they brought to Jordan was that sort of scrappy, like, we're crunchy. We care about your feelings. Like that, that (laughs) was, I think, how they were pitching it. Because the Nike. It is from a, a, a shoe company. Like, I'm sorry, not a shoe company. It's uh, from a running shoe company. And the guy, yeah. you know, it was all very, like, grassroots and, and yoga and whatever. I mean, um, it, it this is actually weird. It, there's a, <clears throat> a documentary series on Netflix called Wild Wild Country. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the and it's Oregon about, thing. Yeah, it's the Oregon thing. Uh, it's about the this. I, I hesitate to call them a cult. They're a little culty. Um, Weren't they a cult? I think they're pretty much a cult. Yeah, I mean they followed a single man. Absolutely a cult. Wait, are you talking about Nike? (laughs) No, I. If I wanted to call a like a multinational corporation a cult, I would just do it. No, I'm worried about what you're describing is one million percent a cult. Okay, great. So we all agree it's a cult. So they come to this Oregon town and they try to take it over. And there's a part during which um, Phil Knight becomes a character because as a company like born and bred and based in Oregon. Um, he like, doesn't want this to happen. And they talk in that movie about like, there's this guy named Phil Knight and he's like the coach of this track and field team and, you know, making shoes, whatever. And he like, you know, poured some rubber in an old waffle mold and that created like the first, Mm -hmm. like, you know, and I'm just like, that's fucking cool as shit. 
But I, I, I kind of hoped that this movie would get into the lore of the history of Nike. Cause yeah, I I'm wanted that, more of that too. Yeah, because I love like, you know, the how it's made, you know, inside the factory kind of thing. Like I love yeah. the history of a product, especially yeah, you like you want to see how the sausage is made. Like I want to know. Right. There's a reason mm-hmm. that like people every week come to my little ch- shithole distillery and, <laughs> and listen <laughs> to me or Arthur talk for like a half an hour to 45 minutes about how we do this. Cause it's just crazy to see how these things are made. I mean, it's it, to, it, to an even greater extent. Like I recently started making my own bread just because why not? Um, oh, yeah, it's because it's only three years after the damn pandemic. I know. I'm yeah. like, I'm trend. I'm like he way behind <laughs> on getting into sourdough. Um, but like, and then you start looking up like, when was the first bread made? And it's like, oh, well, like 8,000 years ago. And it didn't used to be leavened. And you're like, well, how did that happen? And like, it's there. The Everything that has ever been created is based off of something that had been created before. And it's nice to see. It, it almost gives you a sense of like your place in the universe and in time to see those things and to see what mounts on top of what to create what. And um, yeah, it's a little, it's a little disheartening to me that we don't get more of that in this movie. I, w- I was hoping to see that, but uh, now that I know that I won't be disappointed when I eventually do see it, I guess, but I'd still like to see that story. Yeah, I, w- I would too. I would, I would love to see, you know, a, f- a full on documentary on that. Um, I think that would be fascinating. I'm, I'm sure there are books on it. Um, you know, it does. I yeah, will say it does not go. Have ben Affleck and <laughs> sure. Need Sorry, a little hate reading. I, yeah, <laughs> reading. The only thing worse than reading is writing. Well, yeah, a book or a documentary. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it does go into a lot of the culture of of the company, which I found fascinating. That Phil Knight was basically like. I'm a public company now. Like I can't just be fucking around like this. Like they will have my head. So it is interesting to see like, he's like, he, cause Sonny apparently was around not from the outset, but you know, one of the early guys with Phil Knight. And so he's like, you used to be scrappy. You used to let me take these kind of crazy swings. And he's like, yeah, back when we were a thousand dollar company but we're a billion dollar <laughs> company like we can't just take these swings anymore if that's not one that's thing not how this that works. tv and movies have taught me it's never go public because <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden like all of a sudden you'll be in these giant glass boardrooms and you're going to be talking about how that we used to have passion we used to like you know we used to answer to no one and then whoever's in charge will slam their fist down and say well now we have to answer to the shareholders Mm-hmm. I've never heard yeah. the shareholders uh, invoked <laughs> in a positive way in a single thing I've ever watched. Yep. Yeah, especially Succession. Yeah. Um, so Zachy, what do you I, think about shareholders? Uh, uh, not a fan, I guess. Just based on, yeah, based on uh, what pop culture has told me. Uh, it's also, I guess, don't invest because then you will be the shareholder. I know. And, the uh, only The only thing worse than hearing about a shareholder is becoming a shareholder. <laughs> yep and getting invited to these board meetings or these conference calls where they try and uh it, it it was uh yeah i had to listen to those or not had to i i listened in on those for redfin every now and then when i worked for them and it was it was very odd because it was exactly what you thought it was it was a bunch of press people that 
you know, had gotten media access to these board meetings and they were like, and then sometimes it was on behalf of large, large percentage shareholders, these investment companies, and they would be asking these questions and you're just like, holy shit, this is intense. <laughs> like, why did you do this? Your numbers dropped in this quarter. Explain. And it's like, CEO, please explain. It's like, oh shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. And that's why Schmidt Spirits you- will never go public. Yeah, <laughs> see your own bitch. <laughs> I don't want to have to. What are you answer. gonna say, Robin? Uh, I was one thing that I I thought was really interesting about this movie, or maybe maybe not the movie itself, but the story it's telling is that it was really quite ahead of its time for for a celebrity to become a product in this particular way, and I think it was it's something that we see, and maybe we've seen from it for like the last ten or fifteen years where so many celebrities have branched out into lifestyle branding or or putting their names on products as a as a Casamigos, Yeezys. Yeah. It's kind of it's so interesting to watch. It's like even somebody like Mark Wahlberg who has had a pretty steady career is like, "Oh, I need to become like a hamburger boy." Um, yes, that's literally that what he said. I must become a hamburger boy. <laughs> or uh, Ryan Reynolds becoming a phone plan boy. Okay, like- first of all, <laughs> he's a phone plan boy. He's also a gin boy. Mm-hmm. And he's I a just. Soccer boy. Right. I was yep. about to say, I just saw him do some other fucking thing, too. Oh, yeah. No, uh, Welcome to Wrexham is a hit. And I, I loved it. Yeah. No, it's it's a lot of fun to see him and and Rob McElhaney uh, team up for that. But yeah, yeah it, he was it is Mint interesting. Mobile. Was some mm-hmm. other thing. I think he's got another thing too. Oh, aviation gin. Yeah, but yeah, I brought no. up the gin. I I swear to God, okay. he's got like a fourth or fifth product. Oh, I I don't know anything about that. But yeah, they they have become a product unto themselves, and part of that is because they're like, look, I have all of this social media presence, I have all of this other thing, and all I do is you know, support the movie that I'm making or the TV show that I'm making, which basically doesn't always come back to my hands. Right. But what if I just created a company or helped, you know, quote unquote, co-founded or, you know, was an, a big investor in a company. And then I could use my social media influence and kind of my status to help boost that brand right what would what would that value be to that company right to then have someone like ryan reynolds you know talking about their gin um you know that would be pretty valuable um and then you know even if you're just an owner right um you know it was it was revealed not that long ago that you know uh george clooney (laughs) made a shit ton of money from selling Casamigos and everyone's chasing uh, that Clooney Casamigos money. Yeah. I mean, I had the rocks tequila, uh, not that long ago. (laughs) It was, it was pretty good. Um, you know, so Santana champagne. I I don't, Oh, there's uh, a, there's a, there's a very large discount. I don't know if discounts the right way to put it. There's a very large liquor store near my distillery that we actually sell at. But I swear mm-hmm. to God, every time I go in there, there's another poster of someone who's clearly famous that I don't know holding a bottle of something. 
Mm-hmm. Like everyone is getting in the the spirits and or wine or champagne game. It's fucking nuts. It it is crazy. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, again, the other Ryan Reynolds using... product was Wealth Simple, which is a Canadian investment mm-hmm. thing. So apparently, the Bella Twins, who are some wrestling people that I don't really know anything about, supposedly their wine is very good. Wow. Oh. Hmm. So, Coppola's wine. That's good. I've been to the Coppola yeah. estate and I remember nothing about the wine that I drank there, but I did see some <laughs> of the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's interesting because yeah, the branding has definitely become a thing. And, you know, this film does, that is, that is one of the things that I actually think like is kind of almost cynic proof is that this film goes through painful links to basically say they were at the finish line ready to sign Jordan and Jordan's mom basically was like we want a percentage of every shoe sold mm-hmm. like if you're going to put Jordan on the shoe then we want a cut of that and that was mm-hmm. unheard of at the time and that was like oh fuck and Sonny even at one point basically tells Phil Knight he's like yeah we you know they they wanted this percentage deal and you know that's just not going to happen and phil's like wait what that was that was what was hanging this up like fuck and then you know he kind of talks about it and he's like all right fuck it let's let's do it you know uh so yeah that was definitely a big thing and at the end <laughs> there's a tag that basically says that it's been reported that jordan makes up to $400 million a year in passive income through the Jordan brand, which is just, Uh, and, and you understand at that point, okay, that's a lot of fucking money that he makes every single year, but that is a percentage of the money that the Jordan brand brings in, right? He's not making 25%, (laughs) you know, now granted, maybe he did renegotiate, um, but that's also a nuclear option as well, because, you know, I, I brought this up to my wife who who works in advertising and I was like, could he just take his name and go somewhere else? Like, I'm just going to fucking make my own shoes or like Adidas or whatever. And she was like, no, there's probably something in the in their clauses that basically means if they do not make this product conjointly then they don't make the product period. And so, you know, he couldn't necessarily ship it out to somebody else, but yeah, I mean, Jesus, $400 million (laughs) a year. And just, and, and that was one of the things that I thought was hilarious and and they brought it up on this podcast as well. Um, But, you know, if you watch the Jordan documentary, he's not exactly the, best dressed dude he he's not very fat like he wears these chunky suits and you're like oh god was that ever even in fashion and he's not necessarily known as like a style icon and yet the shoe is and so it's it's almost like it succeeded despite him so i thought that was interesting zachy yeah, what what do you think of of his fit besides the earring, right? The iconic earring. Yeah, I mean it's funny. I, I hadn't even thought about it, but 
like you know you, he just sort of came fully formed you know when, when i was a kid so you're just like well no that's just uh that's just how you dress you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't think i've seen him in clothes really outside of his uniform because i've just i am a passive you, you didn't yeah. watch the documentary robin i'm no. surprised by that I don't care about basketball. I don't care about what were you, Yeah, but what were you doing during the lockdown when everybody else was making bread and watching Look, watching I'll be the honest, last I dance? I didn't see the last dance either. What? I what is have, going on? I don't have ESPN or whatever the fuck it was on. Uh yeah. It's okay. on Netflix. That's fair. Well, it's on Netflix yeah. now. No, I think I think it came out. Yeah. They, they dropped it on Netflix like right away. Oh, I could have yeah. sworn there was like some sort of thing about when I Yeah, know, no no excuses. No excuses. <laughs> I was too busy watching Tiger King. <laughs> See, I didn't watch that either. Oh. Yeah. I make my own choices. I don't just blow with the wind, you know. <laughs> I I I will take your word for it. <laughs> um Do we have any uh more to say about this movie? Are there any other avenues we want to chase down? Okay, one last thing, which is, do we think this is a serious Oscar contender? I don't know. Zachy, what do you think? Uh, I could see Viola Davis getting a supporting acting nod. I, I, that she, I, think, I think her performance seems sort of tailored for that kind of buzz. Uh, I don't know about any of the other, you know, possibly Chris Tucker uh, in supporting. You know, I could, I could see him getting pushed for it. Uh, I, I think Damon is good. I don't know if it's an Oscar performance. I think that's valid. I think maybe script. Yeah, I could see that too. Not that I think the script is great, but I feel like this is something the Oscar voters love. It's the type of thing that would be pushed, I think, by the studio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I think, I think Viola's, you know, at at this point in the, in the year, you know, four months in, uh, I, I definitely think she's she's probably a front runner at this right, point. We're, we're only four months in. Yeah. I think I can't even answer that until we know how much it ends up grossing in total. But you know what? That's true. And Everything Everywhere at Once also came out in April, but that was such a massive hit for A24. A24? I don't know. I can't I feel remember. Sort of, You've colonized my brain with that shit. <laughs> um, so, so, I don't know. But this movie, I don't think is doing as well as it was being hyped financially so we'll see yeah i I mean it's also amazon so they they don't necessarily need it to to make all that money right because they're gonna they're gonna have it on most times they make a movie and just release it on their platform and are like oh as long as people stay it'll be fine yeah so like apparently this this was the first theatrical release since uh 2019 yeah, exclusive I was about to theatrical say, they, release. They had been doing it for a while. Like Love and Friendship was theirs, right? Oh yeah, uh, the one with Kate Beckinsale. Yes, a fantastic. Wow, movie. I'm surprised that you guys remember that movie, dude. That movie. Oh, rules. I what are you love about? that movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> I liked great. it. Robin just got schooled <laughs> in making assumptions about people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I. So, I hmm. Look, the Kate Beckinsale love will will endure forever. So, right, whether she be uh, a vampire who kills werewolves or a some sort of scheming, a vampire hunter count. Yes, yes, she's a lady. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So I think it depends on how much it makes. I think you know it's possible that you know what else comes out during the year. I mean, we've got. 
Killers of the Flower Moon coming. It's going to be a big one. Yeah, I mean, we got it. We got a lot of movies stuff. coming I don't out. Know. What, what else yeah. is coming out? It's 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 hard to predict it this early, but yeah, I think I think uh, I mean this is definitely if a movie, this movie that would be like if it, if this were released in in October November even yeah. like December you'd be like yeah totally this is, they're definitely yeah, going for yeah. it I think that right now they're just going for you know a hit of some kind and may, maybe they don't care maybe they're hoping they they'll they'll linger long enough so I don't know we'll see. All right. All right. Excellent. Well, it's been a pleasure listening to you fine folks talk about all this. I'm excited to finally be able to see it at a certain point. Um, it should be on uh, Amazon sometime next month, I believe. So if you haven't seen it and you can't get out to movie <laughs> theaters, uh, wait for that. But that's it. Um, before we do all the other normal stuff, Robin Barr, what are we talking about next week? I think we're doing Renfield. No, Bo is Afraid. Oh, it's fade and then Ren- Renfield. When does Renfield Although, come out? Man, I'm hoping Renfield sticks around because. Yeah. Good when luck does with Renfield that. come yeah. out? It came out this weekend. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, we got to rethink <laughs> yeah. that real hard. Because <laughs> as much as I do want to see Renfield, I don't feel like that's the type of movie that even in a good year would stick around long enough to necessitate it's not talking tracking about it three weeks later. High. Yeah, so we might have to we might have we'll to have a special it. session. Bo is <laughs> afraid next week. Sweet, cannot wait. Um, the 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 movie that is ripping film Twitter in half. I can't wait. <laughs> um, I love Ari Aster. And yeah, same. This mean this sounds like a movie made for moi. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Um, well, uh, Zach, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about Air. Well, thanks again for asking me. This is really, this is such a joy. Excellent. I'm glad this has been a joyful experience. Um, don't forget that we are also brought to you by Mubi. Go to MUBI.com slash magazine to learn more about Mubi Notebook. Go to MUBI.com slash film stage for a free 30-day trial. Go to Patreon.com slash the film stage show to uh, give us your money and become part of our Patreon uh, Slack channel. And uh, that's about that. So let's tell the fine folks at home where we could be found between now and and the next time that we talk in their ears about some movies and stuff. Uh, so let's begin with our guest. Zachy, where would people be able to find more of your stuff online? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Zachy's Corner. That's Z-A-K-I-S Corner. And that's me across all social media platforms. Uh, and you can find my reviews and other articles at the San Francisco Chronicle and also at IGN and The Wrap. All right. Excellent. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG, but I don't tweet much. You can also find me on Instagram at Billstagram and uh, always mixing it up on the Slack channel. All right, Robin Barr. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. You can also find me on Letterboxd at the same username. And uh, <laughs> you can sometimes find my writing at The Hollywood Reporter. All right. As for me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian J. Rowan, Instagram at Brian J. Rowan, Letterboxd at Brian J. Rowan. You may be picking up a pattern here. Um, I'm on just about everything at Brian J. Rowan. Um, it'll be interesting if someone takes that from me on some social media network that I am unaware of at some point. But anyway, uh, you can find every episode of this year podcast by going to thefilmstage.com. You can also find writings there. And if you would like to learn more about the product that I make the brand that I'm in charge of, 
just go to inkwellwhiskey.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, and do turn in next time. <laughs> <laughs>